welcome everyone to I So Appreciate You, a raw, funny, and uniquely insightful podcast about the issues and opportunities we all face as values-based leaders and humans. I'm Nadej. And I'm Melanie. We're colleagues at the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation, and we're friends. When we get together, our conversations can go anywhere, especially when bringing a friend or two along for the ride. So we're inviting you to join us and some incredible guests as we explore the challenges and triumphs of people shaking up our community for the better. Hello, everyone. We're super excited to have you today. We have such a special guest, um, Sina Hodges, who is the um, founder and CEO of a business, a consulting business called The Woke Coach. And Sina has also just recently published a book, which is called From Ally to accomplice, how to lead as a fierce anti-racist. So we're going to get to her in just a little bit. Super excited to have her. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that conversation is going to be great. Um, you know, as we squeeze it into the busyness of the time of year that we're in. We're here, we're here in that like fourth quarter madness. We are. It's always multi-layered. There's so many projects going on. I know like people, the back to school thing is happening. People are running all over. So how... How are you uh, taking care of yourself right now, Nadesh? I mean, I think the reality is when I get to this time of the year, between the combination of work stuff and life stuff, because yeah. right, the holidays and everything, yeah, feels like there's no space. And so one of the best ways to like decompress is just to like watch, to veg out, watch TV. Oh, I'm glad you're talking, <laughs> mentioning this because it's also that time of year where it's a little cooler, the, yes. you know, like we're in fall, it's darker, longer. And so it is kind of a TV time. Right. It's like perfect time for those comfort foods. Yeah. And like sitting on the couch and just like digging Letting into your something. Mind take a break. Yes. So what are you digging into? Oh, goodness. Should we trade some favorites? I mean, we can. <laughs> I feel like half the time I never. Okay. So can I just say a thing? So like, we're going to talk about some shows that we like to watch, but yeah. I don't know if you and M do this, but Joshua and I do this. And it's like, what should we watch? Yeah. And literally spend like 20 minutes, even though we're it's, actively watching like maybe five shows and like yeah. we have things we like and still 20 minutes are wasted trying to figure out where to go. Can I add on to this problem? Yeah. So I always, if we're going to eat and watch something, yeah. I like to be watching something while I eat. And what ends up happening is we'll cook, or I'll cook, um, have the meal ready, and then we'll sit down and be doing that. I'm like, no. <laughs> and by the time we get to our show, my plate is gone. I don't have any more food. And I'm so mad. And Emily doesn't seem to care. I'm like, no, this is a problem. So we need to remedy that, but maybe we will. Tell me what to watch. Um, so, you know, one of the things we're watching right now is The After Party. It's on Apple TV. So it's a, a murder mystery show. So like there's two seasons. We're in the second season, but the first season is um, a high school reunion is the premise for getting all these random wacky characters all together and somebody gets murdered and the show sort of follows a detective sort of figuring out the whodunit of it all. Ooh, is, yeah. and you'd recommend this show? Yeah, the first season was a lot of fun. Oh, and the the critical thing is each episode is one person sort of telling the story of like the events of the evening from their point of view with a different movie style. Oh, this sounds really creative. Yeah, actually. so it's like, it's, it's it's easy, it's lighthearted, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, I'm like, gonna- well, I don't, we don't have Apple TV. Oh, we can figure, yeah, a way we to can get figure it. that out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness. Well, we are watching super pumped 
The Battle for Uber. On oh. I think it's on Netflix. Have you heard about this? No. It's like the story of Uber's, it's like the, the origin story. I would say I'm a little disturbed at oh, present. No. It's just like that corporate <laughs> hunger, like all the shenanigans that that happened with the founding of Uber. So we're just into a few, a few of episodes, but it's really, really quite good in terms of just suspenseful and keeps you watching from this, you know, one episode to the next. So nice. I guess nice. I'd, I'll report back on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Well, I kind of have my, that's why I asked you, I have like what I would watch list yeah, if I yeah, were by myself me, and then my hear. Emily list. Like Emma and I, we watch, um, like untold the the sports series where it's all these untold stories in sports and 30 for 30. So we can, we can agree on like sports documentaries and we'll gobble those up even though she's much more the jock. When I'm by myself, I want to watch unsolved mysteries. Okay. Some, um, what else do I like? Uh, well, hoarders. Quarters. Yeah. <laughs> Did it, you say that like bashfully? A little bit. Because it, it makes me just relax. Fair enough. Fair yeah. Enough. How about you? Oh, so I am the queen of the rewatch. And Ooh. so shows that yeah. I have either loved I rewatch or shows that are really easy to fall back into. Like I can be cooking. And then um, I'm currently like hate rewatching a show, which is like a super weird thing to do. Um, and I'm, we're probably going to get like hate mail about this or something. Okay. But I'm hate rewatching the Gilmore Girls. Oh, I've never seen the Gilmore. So the first time I watched it, I watched it um, with my daughter, Addison, and we loved it because I think we started watching it because like one of my uncles kept saying, you're Rory and Lorelai. And I was like, "Okay, I got to like watch this show to understand what that means. Um, And it was great and it was cute. And we cried our eyes out at the end of the the show. And like I even have pictures. I think I posted them on social media. (laughs) But now as I rewatch it. The level of what the white privilege Mm. that is happening in this show. And it's not that I didn't see it the first time, but because it was new, I was like taking in the story. And now I'm just like, oh, girl, please. (laughs) So I can see you cooking. (laughs) Like I literally cannot. I'm like rolling my eyes. I'm like, okay. I'm Googling, like I'm trying to find Reddit trails where I'm like, Emily Uh, Gilmore is a so-and-so. Like Rory is actually a petulant brat. Like I, like it's so. (laughs) ridiculous but i am i am enjoying the nonsensicalness of hate rewatching oh, a show I, I think you may have just coined something i mean i think we need to you need to publish an article i mean, hate rewatch uh-huh it is i mean it is kind of amusing but yes uh so that that is the thing that i'm doing well the rewatching because i do not really rewatch um things i'm wondering is it cathartic relaxing for you um, it can be interesting depending okay. on the show. If um, it lets me see other aspects of a uh-huh, show, it's yeah. kind of like how if I like a book, I'll read it fast the first time yep. and then I will reread it again. Go back. I mm-hmm. also reread lots of books that I love for that same reason. Yeah. Um, and then for other shows, they're just easy to pop in and out of. So yeah. I can be doing other things. And you know the feeling and yeah. the energy they're going to bring yeah. into your so space. So like I know that if that I turn sense. around for 20 minutes, I won't have missed anything. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Great. Well, speaking of books, should we get to our uh, guest? Absolutely. Wonderful. Do you want to make a bigger impact on the causes you care about? Not everyone realizes that cash isn't the only way to give. There are many advantages to donating other assets such as real estate, stock, or farm equipment. Want to learn more? 
call 651-224-5463 or email the St. Paul, Minnesota Foundation gift planning team at philanthropy at spmcf.org. Welcome back, everyone. We're now joined by our guest, Sina Hodges. Hi, Sina. Hi. All right. Um, We could probably spend the entire episode talking about your background and your work, but I'm just going to give our listeners a couple of highlights before we get into things. So Sina Hodges is the founder and CEO of The Woke Coach. It's a consulting company that helps clients, you know, be better individuals and companies, I suppose, with a deeper understanding of how the legacy of racism and injustice affects us all. Uh, Sina was a 2023 Women in Business honoree from the Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Journal. Uh, You were the first person of color to be the president of the Walker Arts Center Board of Trustees. And you're still on that board. Yes. Um, And you have just published a new book called From Ally to Accomplice, How to Lead as a Fierce Anti-Racist. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Sina, we're so happy to have you here. We're going to do just a, a little bit of a warm-up. We at, like to ask three questions of our guests to to get going. So the first one is, uh, live in a world where you dance instead of walk or sing instead of talk. Oh, I would sing. I would sing all day. If my voice were better, I would sing a lot. Uh, I love musicals, and Ooh, I think that okay. there's always an appropriate reason to burst in the song. All right, that, that, <laughs> may, that may happen today. Feel free. All right, the second one. Annalise Keating or Olivia Pope? Oh, come on. That's not even fair. (laughs) That's not even a fair question. I think it depends on day of the week or circumstance, right? Okay. I I think it's a both and. I, I think you need Annalise to get you out of the bed in the morning and you mm. need Olivia Pope to tell you to go to bed. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. You know, listeners, I feel full disclosure is yes. necessary here. Melanie has not watched either of these two shows. No. And, and so, oh my goodness. No, Nadej vetoed my question <laughs> and put this in. But no, I just know that these are like strong, powerful, fashion forward women. And that's. That's what I know. So, okay, Melanie, you, okay. Okay, you where, got, where should I start? Coming up. You yeah, where should time. I start? You got to binge watch. I think you got to start with how to get away with murder. Okay. Oh, interesting. I think so. It's because hmm. it's a, um, I don't know. I think it's probably just an easier way into Shondaland. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I think if you go straight to Scandal, because Scandal's going to make you mad. Uh, and then, and let's okay. be honest, there's like one whole season of Scandal where you're like, why did they make this season? I mean, to be fair, I think on both shows you could give up at some point. But the point fair, is, fair. like, while they're good, they're like epic. Great. Yes. Well, I'm adding this to my list because it is that time of year. Yeah. To, I, to I think in. there's a kidnapping scenario in <laughs> Scandal that just went too far. Yeah. <laughs> scandal went too far, like jumped the shark like 27 times. But yeah. you know, here you go. Yeah. Well, I'm intrigued. Okay, last question. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Night owl. Night owl. Okay. If I don't have to talk to anybody before 10 a.m., it is a great day. Oh, okay, good. But, you know, and and that's part of it is because of my background in theater and working in, you know, the performing arts and living in New York City. And Mm, if you work in theater in New York City, nothing starts before 10 a.m. Right. And so that was where I was kind of trained in that way. And you come here and you're like, oh, wait a minute. So when I wake up at nine o'clock, it's already 10 o'clock. Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Thank you for those. That would be the perfect schedule. I got to get a life where I can not talk to people before 10 o'clock. That would be amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do it, but it's not my, it's not my preference. Right. Right. Get it. So, you know, 
I want to dive in and talk a little bit about your work. And, but before I do that, I want to give you a chance to sort of frame it up at a high level. Mm, like yeah. if somebody said, Hey, Sina, the woke coach, what do you do? Ah, uh, I would tell someone who asked about our company that uh, we move people from that place of being allies to that place of being accomplices. So essentially, our work is rooted in transformation. What we want folks to do is to have the ability to be the best, most understanding and empathetic versions of themselves around these very wicked problems and sticky issues of racism bias, injustice. Uh, we really want people to be able to have that level of self-awareness to understand, one, what these issues actually are, uh, what work they need to do to better understand the issues. Also understand how they're contributing to some of these issues on a day-to-day basis, right? So that that big piece of self-awareness is critical for the work that we do. And, um, you know, we, we sell transformation. That's what we do. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. So the work that you do it's obviously going to challenge people's comfort zones, right? Like you're, you're in it and, and sort of thinking about it. And I wonder, can you tell us like, why is it critical that we all move past or move into discomfort and sort of past that place of comfort where we all reside? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The reason why my work exists in the first place is because where we live is in our comfort zones. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the place that we live. And so the moment that you're asking someone to think about the world through a different lens or to think about the perspective of someone else, you're asking someone to inherently be uncomfortable. Yes. And so sometimes that's really that's really challenging for people and it creates this sense of fear and it creates this sense of I can't accomplish that. Right. You know, our biggest competitor is ourselves, like us competing with ourselves. And sometimes what happens is that we feel like we we can't do a thing because we don't have enough information. And that scares the crap out of us. Right. No one wants to feel like I can't do this thing. I'd also just say that, you know, some people are uncomfortable every single day. Yes. Right. Just because of their social identity or their, you know, they exist in a way that things haven't been made easier for them. Right. Uh, Until 1990, we didn't have the Americans with Disabilities Act. So people who desperately needed those accommodations didn't have them. So I would say for the sake of who we all aspire to be, we have to be willing to work in that space of discomfort. And also it's recognizing that that space of discomfort is actually really not that uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. right? It's a space of learning. And to be honest, if you're trying to grow as a human and and learn more about the world that you live in and more about other people, you have to stretch and stretch is how you grow. And in order to grow, you have to have some discomfort. That's, I mean, even when you, I hate this analogy, but I use it, you know, it's like you go to the gym, yeah. <laughs> I hate picking up those weights. Uh, I hate how, you know, I hate, you know, famous last words for me, like five more reps. I'm like, oh, God. Oh. right. But that's the reality. Cause on the other side, I know what I want for the summertime. So I got to right. put it in. Right. So Sina, I have your book in, in front of me and I, before I get to my question, I, I have a lot to say. First of all, <laughs> uh, yeah. all right, everybody get, grab some popcorn. Here we go. Well, of course, you know, I want to read it to prep for today, but I read this in two days because I found it to be so well done. So, so generous in terms of what you're sharing, so clear in terms of how to act. And so I won't turn this into a full book. Girl, club, you so. have me over here like no, my eyes are well. No, I do. <laughs> but listen, I told Nadesh, I think it should be required reading, for, certainly for leaders and organizations, but I think for human beings, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not kidding. 
Uh, so that's my, my, my cell. This book needs to be read, but, um, I noted one place and I just want to build on what we were talking about with this comfort zone on page 50, you cited, um, what you hear from those who identify as BIPOC and then what you heard from those who identify as white people. And I, I noted of the, um, four phrases from the white people started with, I'm afraid. Yeah. And I really, that really stuck with me because I do think fear is that one thing that stops us from growing, like you said. So, um, I, I'm wondering, well, I'm, I'm going to turn away from fear a little bit because you just, you addressed that, but I'm wondering taking all of your wisdom and put it in, in a book, how did you decide what to put onto paper and what you left out? That is a big choice, especially I imagine you spend months with people. Yeah. So funny story is that when I wrote the book and I gave it to the editors, they said, okay, Cena, great. (laughs) (laughs) You've given us a successful draft of a book, but you've written a 101 and a 201. Mm. Which book do you want to write? Interesting. And I was like, okay, overachiever Cena can take Mm -hmm. that, (laughs) can take that criticism and that feedback. And so I had to go back and go through it again and say, okay, if we're in a 2023 context, what I imagined is that people had done some work mm-hmm. and some learning. You'd listened to some podcasts. You'd had some conversations. You'd, you've read some books, right? And so I said to myself, if those people have done that work and what they need is someone to help them continue engaging in the work, yes. what tool would I give them? Mm-hmm. And so essentially this book is, it's, it's very anecdotal. It's about the experiences that I've had with clients, but it's also about self-awareness and that self-reflection piece and those prompts in there are really critical for really helping you understand where you are on your journey and I think what's um, always interesting about folks who are on a journey of creating more inclusive environments or being more actively anti-racist is that when you're on that journey it's always informed by what you know Mm -hmm. right that's the piece of it that's really critical the other piece of that is that not only is it informed by what you know it's also actionalized by you doing something. Right. And so that choice to opt in to do something different every single day is the most important part of it, which is why there are questions in there. You know, sometimes, um, right. you know, Nadege and I have had this joke over the years where sometimes people go and they'll see an opera or they'll go to the theater or they'll go and um, look at an exhibition of, you know, some artist in a contemporary art context and they feel like, wow, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the work. I never have to go back. That's yeah, <laughs> you know, I did that thing. And I, what I want folks to recognize about the world that we live in is the moment that you are exposed to something that you haven't been exposed to before, it is your inherent responsibility to further research that, mm-hmm. to continue to, ve- to develop your awareness around that thing or that construct or, or that reality for specific people. And so that's a responsibility that I think people have when it comes to, to, to trying to move from ally to accomplice. Right. That's great. So what I'm hearing from you is that this is more the 201 and not the 101. Yes. Um, but what I'm also hearing from you is this book probably should not be the end all be all of your work. Oh, heck no. (laughs) No. You know, I think the number one question that I get from people outside of like, where do I start this work is really about like, how do I do this work? 
And the answer to how do I do this work, and when I say this work, I mean the work of being an active anti-racist or creating inclusive environments, the how to do this work is to always have something in front of you. Yes. To always be aspirational about what you're learning. What do I know now? Yes. Now let me learn something else. Yes. And and as you're learning new things, how are you moving to action around what you're learning? Right. right. That's the critical piece of it. Because the other thing that we like to do, I'm not going to name any names, but some people out here like to really learn new things and just beat people over the head with the information. <laughs> Well, I read uh, yeah. this and in Isabel Wilkerson's cast, you know, and and mm-hmm. and it's yes, all those things are great. Please read all of that information. Please listen to the podcasts and watch the documentaries. But really, at the end of the day, what you will be evaluated on is what you do with what you learn. Right. And I, I found that your voice was a, your bridge, I think, among people of difference. Um, that's what I pulled from the book. And it is. Um, I love the one on one one or wait, one on one. I think you asked, I meant to say 101, 201. 201, yeah. yeah. I don't remember I what I just said. probably did say that, yeah. We're all here. No, yeah. We'll figure it out. But, but <laughs> I also just want to say for those of you who haven't read it, it also does have a lot of contextual knowledge. So people who may just be starting their journey, this is not going to leave you behind. Yes. You're going to be able to dig in and go further. And um, one of the things that I took away is this, um, in a new way, uh, this race first lens and So I I wake up with mantras, you know, I'm like affirming all this stuff in my life. Like, and I'm really thought about how do I start to do that every morning? Like, how do Mm. I start to put that like hat on and not just encounter it through my day in different ways when I'm at work or when I'm trying to be intentional about it. So I just want to thank you for that. And I'm wondering if there are any other practices that you would want to lift up to our listeners that they might take away from this book. Wow. That's a, that's, I mean, there's so many, so I don't need (laughs) to put, I don't want to put you on the spot. In fact, buy the book. Yes. First and foremost, buy the book, read the book. Yes. I think that I'm really pro like what resonates with you. Yeah. Right. And I think that people, you know, when I, uh, when people ask me, you know, if you're an individual and you're saying to me, you know, I want to get more involved and I want to become a more active anti-racist. I want to help create inclusive environments and circumstances. I tell people a lot to think about one of two things. What issue or what is something that you care about implicitly? Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that is important to you. It could be anything. On the other hand, what's the thing that pisses you off more than anything, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you look at both of those things, somewhere in there, you can be constantly spurred to action. Yes. Right? And then the question that you referred to about that race first lens is really thinking about these issues from a racialized context. Right. I wholeheartedly believe that race, of course, is that issue. Race, racism Mm -hmm. are those issues, you know, constructs that we haven't solved for. And these are conversations that we're still constantly having to have because we haven't looked at things from the lens of race equity. Right. If we were looking at an issue like women's pay equity, but we were using a race lens, a race first lens to have that conversation, perhaps we'd be in a different context in a different mm-hmm. situation. I mean, the hardest truth about this reality is that if you're talking about an issue like pay equity, who are the first women in this country in the workforce? Right. Unpaid, yeah. forced Black to bear women. the children of their oppressors. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is the kind of stuff that people don't talk about on the day to day, but it's the kind of stuff that is underneath the surface right. everywhere we go. So when there's a bunch of white women in a room having a conversation about pay equity, I don't think that's a bad conversation, but I think the conversation that needs to be had is a conversation with black women and indigenous women at that table. Right. You can't have that conversation without them. Absolutely. Oof. Um, you know, <laughs> right. I just pause because there's just so many things there, but I'm thinking about the nature 
of the work that you do and the nature of the time that we're in. Yeah. You know, you launched the Woke Coach before 2020, you know, before the, the murder of George Floyd. Um, and I know I'm reading about it and I'm hearing about it. And I imagine you are, you saw the uptick in demand for the types of services that you provide. But I don't know about you, I'm starting to hear budget re sort of calibrations and all of those, you know, fun things. Um, and fun was in quotes and there was sarcasm there, folks, if you didn't hear it. Um, what what are you hearing in the sort of marketplace about um, companies uh, want to stay in this work? And what is your response to what you're hearing? Yeah, that's a good question. So it it runs the gamut about what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing. You know, there are some some companies who've said to themselves, we are going to invest in this work no matter what, and we're going to continue to do this work. There are some companies that we've seen that have already said, you know, we hired that DEI person, but uh, we don't really need that. We've, we've got it together. We're, we're doing really, really great. And um, here's where I say that, um, okay, I'm not sure that I expected for um, anything different to happen after the, the murder of George Floyd. What I knew for a fact is that we do what we always do when we, you know, we run to a circumstance and we want to to fix things because of that fear, because of that guilt, because of that shame, right? And so the conversations that I was having in my circles in 2020 was like, all right, make it work for you. Like do the thing that you need to do for yourself because what we also know, and these are some of the hard truths, right? What we also know about the history of this country is that we are like, it's littered with broken promises. Mm -hmm. Like, let's talk about broken treaties to indigenous people. Let's talk about 40 acres and a mule for enslaved people, uh, formerly enslaved people. So, so I know that people felt like there was going to be a divestment in the work. We didn't know how long it was going to take. And because time moves so very rapidly, three years ago seems like you just blinked your eyes, right? right? But also three years is not a sufficient amount of time to put in work to correct issues that are centuries right. old. We don't get to do that in three years. That's like um, 0.2 seconds, you know? And um, I recently did an interview and someone wanted to ask me about the failure of DEI efforts and to talk about what research exists to say that DEI efforts weren't working. And I found that to be a very fascinating question because I think that question is also rooted in, you know, fear and, and discomfort. Uh, but the reality of this is that the way that we are, you know, moving through the world right now, and the thing that's really important for us to know is that when we think about DEI work and whether or not it's successful, it's not about surveys and it's not about what members of dominant groups think. Honestly, if you want to know if your DEI work is successful, ask the people who are most impacted by the lack of DEI happening in their workplaces. Those are the people who will tell you that, no, it's not working. There was just an article in the L.A. Times where black people said they would rather stay remote than to go into workplaces oh, yeah. to, to deal with the casual racism and microaggressions that exist. Right. So you have people actively wanting to choose a different path. I mean, also to speak to this um, reneging on promises, we just found out that uh, what is the dollar amount? There's like billions of dollars that have not been paid to historically black colleges and universities, federal dollars, right? The Department of Education just found that. So the reality is that also as we sit here today, we are in October mm -hmm. in 2023. In one year from today, we will still not have had the presidential election 2024, right? Mm -hmm. So if people think that it's okay to divest from DEI right now, 
I'm just going to tell you, it's going to put you way behind all of those outcomes and goals that you identified for inclusion, right? If we divest from this work right now, we're divesting at the time where the work actually needs us the most. Yeah. As you're talking, I was thinking about a, um, a presidential address at a university in North Dakota that I was just at. And notably, I heard um, him reference DIR, diversity, inclusion, respect, and leaving the equity out. And it made me think about how there is, yes. I feel yeah, like it's the dire faces. that that E was missing. Oh, it's intentional. <laughs> right? You, did, you, you, did you get the joke? I get it. I <laughs> it, and it, I mean, the hair on the back of my neck stood up because it's like these subtle ways that people are trying to, I think, really um, push back against this equity movement. And so I'm wondering if you can also talk about, you know, you're talking about the divesting, but there's also the, the opposition we're feeling. I mean, with like states and our politics and the state where I'm from, like what is going on? And so there's like this bigger ecosystem too that people are up against. Yeah. It's, um, Melody, it's not new. Yes. Right. I think some of this is more highly visible because of things like social media and the 24 cycle news hour. I don't think any of these uh, efforts to undermine um, black excellence or, Mm -hmm. you know, champion people from different communities. It's not new. I think it's just got a bigger megaphone. And I think also as we're starting to look at the shifts in population, Right. People are starting to feel like, oh, I I might be replaced. Something different might happen. I might not be as valuable to the ecosystem as I previously was. And when people start to feel that way, they start to act out. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the reality of it is that I don't necessarily think that it's, you know, it's it's scary indeed. Right. Some of the things that we're bearing witness to right now are really scary things. But I also think that it's not new things. And I know, you know, if you ask me about myself personally, I was not brought here to have a spirit of fear around advocating for people who look like me, people who need uh, support, mm-hmm. uh, people who wouldn't otherwise have access to resources. I'm here. I'm here for the long haul to do this work. Right. Yeah. Thank you for that. I mean, as part of the reason, I mean, you say that you're here for the long haul, but um, I mean, this work is deeply personal to you. Like, it's yeah. not just personal because it's an issue, but it's like personal to your literal person. Yes. And is that what drives you to sort of be here? Or are there ever times you wish you could just like take the hat off and like, you know, take a legit vacation from all of it? Yeah. You know, it's funny because if you ask me what I would do if I wasn't doing this work um, and if I didn't have my company, I don't know what I would do. I I can't imagine a world in which I don't have a company that's trying to help people be the best version of themselves. I, you know, I feel like I could figure it out, but you know, it's, it's for me, it's, um, it's, um, it's really rooted in wanting to provide closure for my ancestors. There are some people who came before me who made great sacrifices, Right. They also make great progress. And um, I owe a debt to that. You know, screw student loans. <laughs> In more ways yeah. than one. In more, yeah. <laughs> I, owe, I owe my ancestors and, and those people who came before me and those people on whose shoulders I, I stand. Especially, you know, when, when you live in a world and you look at 
the constant continual existence of inequity. It is, um, it's challenging. And so for me, I always feel like either you're a part of changing things or you're on the sidelines. And the reality is, if you're on the sidelines, you're as guilty as the people who set these systems up in the first place. And so I don't think any of us have the opportunity to, to sit on the sidelines in the fight of racial equity, in the fight of creating inclusive environments. It's, it's not okay. I, uh, I noted in your book where you referenced the, your ancestors, and I just thought it was such a beautiful and powerful fulfillment. You're fulfilling this purpose that's deep inside of you. And I'm, I'm curious what advice you would have for other people who are starting their own business or want to do this big thing, but there's so many things that hold us back, um, what you might share with other listeners who are thinking that they need to do something in this world, whatever that is. Yeah. I think the advice that I'd give to people who are thinking about you know, becoming an entrepreneur or chasing your dream in any one, you know, any um, shape or form is that you really can't fail when you bet on yourself. Mm. Um, I think that that's a, a really important thing to, to know and consider, you know, people used to say to me uh, all the time, business owners that I know would always say to me, um, you know, if you do something, you you work, wait a minute, (laughs) I'm going to start this over. (laughs) (laughs) So business owners would always say things to me, you know, early on when I started my business, they'd say things like, if you do something that you love, you never work a day in your life. And so for me, while what I do every day is work, it doesn't feel that way. You know, a lot of folks get, and I'm not going to ask you all about this, but some people get like what I call the Sunday scaries. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're on Sunday, yep. you're at home yep. and like your tummy's in knots, your back is hurting, you got all the things because you got to show up at work, right? Yeah. And what, what would it be like to live in a world where nobody had the Sunday scaries, Yeah. right? And so for me, I don't have the Sunday scaries. I, I just have a, oh, it's Monday. Quite often, I don't know what day of the week it is. <laughs> <laughs> I just know where I'm supposed to be at what time. Like today, uh-huh. I don't, it's what's today? Uh, honestly, why are you asking questions <laughs> like that? <laughs> These are hard questions. Yeah, I never, I never know. I just know that I'm supposed to be here at a certain time. So I, I think it's, um, you can never fail when you bet on yourself. That's number one. And number two, I do believe that anything is possible. Mm. And that's, I know sometimes people think that that's silly, but I, but I, I'm a big dreamer. So all the ideas that I have are big. Um, they're so big that when I started my business, my first assistant, my, she still works with me to this day. I would have all these ideas all the time. And one day I went to my mailbox at my house and I opened the mailbox and there was this package and I opened the package and I opened it and there's this beautiful notebook and there's this gorgeous black woman on the front of the notebook and it's from my assistant. (laughs) And I say, oh, Shamika, thank you so much for this notebook. And she said, yeah, that's for all those ideas you have. (laughs) She says, write them down. And then every quarter or so she'll say, Sina, go get the notebook. And then I go get the notebook and then I, I pick a thing uh, yep. and then we, we start something different. But that's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we could keep going. We should keep going. We Just should. the rest of the season. We It'll be should. fine. Yes. Um, but I want to I want to get back to a critical point. I mean, we talked about you breaking into song because of <laughs> oh, your love yeah. for musicals. <laughs> and I want to know what are the sort of things in your life that might have you break into song? What brings you joy? Oh, gosh. You know, I am a huge lover of, um, this is really weird, but I love horror films. Oh. And I love scary things. I'm so excited about like, this. Like, one of my favorite 
holidays is Halloween. So I'm so excited about watching scary movies. Now, my therapist would say this is like trauma yelling. (laughs) (laughs) But it is something that I enjoy doing. So I what brings me joy is knowing that I have like three hours and I can binge watch something on television. Right. So I love to do that. Uh, What brings me joy is food, like good Mm -hmm. food, good beverages, some laughs with friends. That always brings me that always brings me a lot of joy. Um, Those are those are the main things. I think, you know, my family brings me a great amount of joy. A lot of laughs. Right. So I'm you know me. I I love to laugh and and make jokes and just kind of hang out and veg and and those kinds of things. But I also really, really love to dress up and go places. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. So it's kind of simple, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Also, if you watch Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder, that answer would help you understand why she couldn't pick either one. Because you just named a bunch of the stuff that shows up in. I'm just saying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I can't wait to watch that. <laughs> and and nobody in my life will watch scary movies with me, Cena. So, yeah. Oh, are but you serious? You can go ahead and do that. Uh, oh, yeah. my gosh. I, I just, just yeah. got, I just, and you know, for me, like, I also need people to understand that it's not just like this big umbrella. Like there's psychological thrillers, yes. you know, then there's the stabby yes. movies and then there's the blood and gore, right? Then there are the documentaries about the serial killers. Yes. That, like, so it all, it has tentacles. Yeah. So you have to know like which, you know, yeah. yeah I would right. also you. just not like the whole octopus. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's fair. And and so, yeah, to your point, we're not judging yes. folks for, for what, what they like or fun? don't like. Oh my goodness. All right. I think on that note, we're going to let those of you who need to go watch like a romantic comedy to like switch up your energy, do that. But Sina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank Sina. you so much for having me. I appreciate both of you. That's great. I so appreciate you. <laughs> Nadege, that, that was such a good conversation. So fun. She's just a delight. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Um, and you know, it's not the easiest topic, but we had, we had some, some good laughs, including about the horror movie and listen. <laughs> No, we have, we have listeners. I'm going to ask people to write in with a campaign to have you watch a scary movie with me. I don't, I mean. And I don't want you to do things you don't want to do, but I just think there might be a little, it might be hysterical for us to go through this with Sina. I I hope she would join us. I mean, listen, we'll see. I'll talk about it. I will tell you right now, the blood and guts kind of situation scary, not my vibe. We'll go psychological. Okay. Yes, we'll go psychological. Keep me awake for weeks on weeks having (laughs) dreams about this stuff. But apparently, you know, maybe (laughs) I don't. That's when I need to spur some creativity. Who knows? We'll see. Oh, all right. Well, um, (laughs) there there was a lot of very serious meat, though, from our conversation. What what stood out to you today? I mean, okay. so here's the thing. Like we could go through this, but like I'm going to I'm going to cheat a little bit and just remind our listeners. There's a whole book. Yes. That can let you sort of part two, part three, and part four mm-hmm. of our conversation today. And so, um, you know, out now, Cena's, you know, from ally to accomplice, how to lead as a fierce anti-racist. Um, grab the book, and I and I will say this, um, you know, full disclosure, like we're friends, you know, clearly we're friendly, but like the the book is written like in her voice. Yes. It's not an academic tome. It's not a corporate uh, corporate speak kind of situation. Right. It is written like the person you just heard talk to us, talking to you. 
Yes, which is why um, I read it so quickly. I felt like I was with a a kind but firm friend. Like, I'm not going to lay you off the hook. Listen. It's kind of like that moment when your friend gives you the real truth. Yep. And and like you you didn't necessarily want it, but you needed it and you appreciate it because it was done out of love. Yes, exactly. And uh, she let us know that you can get the book on her website. So definitely go there and start buying those books. I mean... I don't know what else to say. I think, do we just send our listeners off in in search of this book and give them a little bit more time to read? Let's do that. All right. Thanks all for listening. Thank you for listening to I So Appreciate You. You can find us on Facebook at I So Appreciate You Podcast and on Instagram at So Appreciate You. We'd also appreciate you taking a moment to write us a review. And if you like our show, be sure to follow I So Appreciate You on Apple Podcasts Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to us right now. Have a question or topic suggestion? Email us at podcast at spmcf.org. Thank you for listening to I So Appreciate You.